the name of the values that keep you alive do not let your vision of man be distorted by the ugly, the cowardly, the mindless, and those who have never achieved his title. Do not lose your knowledge that man's proper estate is an upright posture, an intransigent mind, and a step that travels on limited roads. Do not let your fire go out sparked by replacing the spark and hope the swamps of the approximate are not quite the not yet and not at all. The world you desired can be won. It exists. It is real. It is possible. It's yours. Hello and welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Mark Kalabian, and I'm here with Asias Tong. He's our CFO and uh, one of our co-founders. Asias, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you, Mark, for having me. Yeah, anytime. Uh, so we'll just jump right in. And uh, I think one of the best things we can do is maybe give people a little background on uh, how you maybe got into crypto. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about the exchange that you and Will built and what you've been doing since then. Uh, yeah, I got into crypto pretty early on. It was in 2012. So uh, and I, I basically started with mining first because uh, back then, it, it was it, electricity was free in the dorms, you know, and uh, it's it, it was definitely worth mining at a time too. So it, it paid the rent, everything, um, and then I got into uh, the exchange stuff with uh, Will uh, in 2014 with uh, Crypto Exchange Inc. Um, and fr from there, it's been a pretty wild ride, but it's uh, it, it's been better than ever right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, as far as the exchange and a little bit afterwards, so after you uh, got shut down, you started your blog on Quora. Uh, so what was your sort of inspiration for starting that blog and how have you kept up with it and engaged with people within the community? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, building a community is very important and that's uh, where you always start. Uh, and Quora had a lot of uh, traffic coming in, um, not just in terms of numbers, but also quality. So that, that's where, where I started in because I would, it would be the most visible uh, way to express uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of concepts regarding uh, cryptocurrency or the blockchain technology. And I've, I've met a lot of people there. It's, it's also helped me a lot in terms of my consultant uh, gig, I guess. It, it, I guess that's more accurate. Um, yeah, so it, it, and it's been, and I've met some really awesome people, a lot of people, different people in the industry. Uh, you get a lot more, uh, a lot more in terms of uh, how the market is and what different players are, are doing in different realms. I, I, I actually got I was really, really fortunate to be able to consult for this uh, guy that was in a hedge fund, and uh, he he also knew some people that were doing this. Uh, it was like a blockchain uh, ETF, so that they they finally got publicly listed. So that that was uh, it, it was interesting to figure out like all these people that 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 were just really entrenched in finance but decide they wanted to just jump the gun and into crypto so yeah it's a uh, it's really it's really fun working with these type of people 
Yeah, exactly. I think there are a lot of people in that industry who wanted to get into it, but they really didn't have much of a background in the tech side and vice versa. A lot of the guys on the tech side didn't have much experience with the financial. Mm -hmm. uh, exactly. Um, so have you noticed a lot of bad information out there? And have you been, you know, I, I read your blog very religiously and everything you put on there has been you know, spot on as far as predictions and all of your analysis is great. Um, but I mean, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've noticed there's a lot of, a lot of bad stuff out there as far as what other people are saying. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of news out there and they, these days it's, they, they don't really spend too much in terms of fact checking. So the, the, it's, really what sells the ads and often that's what's the most sensational aspect of it uh, in terms of just even uh, one of the most reputable news sources uh, Bloomberg where they they actually pay their reporters uh, on in in terms of their bonuses for what moves the markets the most so it's not necessarily the most accurate in, um, so but it's not necessarily bad in per se because there, there's some there's some news that is that you can verify. Um, you have to really, really understand the industry and really understand the technology, really understand a lot of the global trends and, and macros to figure out what's what's real, what's not, or what's possibly real. It, it's there's a lot of layers to it, so um, it's it's not very clear cut to say, oh, like it's um, it this is definitely wrong or this is definitely right. Uh, because there's just uh, not, we don't really know every single detail out there. But uh, it, it's good, it, you can get a, a bird's eye view and, and kind of make some guesses, really educated guesses. And so far, I've been uh, right so far. Yeah. yeah. Where do you, so where do you typically get your information and how do you delve into the research? What do you look for? Well, I look for, uh, so I, in my mind, I have, a mental model of how things work. I also try to figure out who's who in, in terms of crypto. I I know a lot of people in some private groups, especially developers or uh, security lawyers that I've worked with the SEC. Uh, there there's a lot of people in the industry in different aspects, and you you definitely want to be uh, connected to those people and know what's going on in terms of security law or any tech developments. And once you know enough about that and observe what's going on, then you can you can have a better understanding, and ultimately have a better guess at what's gonna what's gonna happen. So, as far as the laws and regulations, is there anything that's come out recently that you think people should be worried about, or things that you've noticed uh, that you think you know should be brought to people's attention? Uh, it really depends on uh, what you're asking. Uh, I'd yeah. say, just in general, it, it seems like there's more focus on uh, a lot of the asset-backed ICOs. Some of them are registering with the SEC directly. Uh, there's also some. Uh, there's a lot less ICOs in terms of just uh, really speculative ones with crazy ideas. Uh, yeah. So. I guess it, it, it's it's kind of more there's a, a lot less 
pure speculation going on. Of, but I mean, it's still a lot of speculation in the first place. Uh, and I feel like there's a lot of more, a, a lot of the governments already are aware of the situation uh, more than before. Uh, although they still have some reservations, they still have a lot of, they, they're not fully informed on every single part of aspect because it, it does take a bit of a learning curve in terms of understanding technology and where it goes. So I, I don't expect it's like, I don't expect mass adoption for Bitcoin like in, in, in this year, but I'd say it's, it's definitely possible. You know, it, it really depends yeah. uh, on what you're asking, but I, I'd say generally speaking, that's uh, the uh, general direction. Would, would you go so far as to agree with uh, someone like Jack Dorsey who says that uh, crypto could become, or Bitcoin more specifically, could become the, a one-world currency in you know, the next 10 years? Uh, it's next 10 years is pretty hard to predict. Um, I'd say it's po definitely possible, and Bitcoin has the best network effects. It's, it also has a lot of interconnectedness in terms of just the cryptocurrency market and also uh, the finance markets. You've got these uh, Bitcoin futures and the CME, you've got uh, the CBOE, and also NASDAQ is about to release their stuff. They're uh, pretty much all the apps like Square, all of these are, are using Bitcoin specifically. And most of the crypto exchanges use Bitcoin exclusively. Uh, so I'd say it's probably uh, the most likely so far, but it's really hard to say if, if a new coin will come out and um, dethrone Bitcoin. It's, it, it's really hard to guess, but I mean, if, if, I were, if I were to make a guess, I would, I would probably go with Bitcoin, um, and I'm doing that right now. Um, yeah. But I, I'd say it's really hard to say. Uh, I think it's, it, it, there's too many factors involved for anyone to be like 100% sure about it. Do you, do you think it's good that a lot of these tech companies are hopping on, uh, like, you know, Square? Uh, or do you think it was better when the community was curating a lot of the technology and it was less a part of typical consumer-facing companies? I mean, it, there's a lot of aspects to it. Um, it's not just the consumer side. I'd say what matters more is um, like organization level adoption because uh, you, I think the consumer side is probably the, the most latter forms of where, where it's important because um, the thing is it, Bitcoin also ref reflects a lot of other important industries. For example, you can have warehouse financing or oil trading on an institutional level and all, pretty much every country out there has some form of reserves. Mostly, most of them are gold. Uh, and if you have a, a digital form of gold that even if you replace, like, let's say 30% of that market, uh, I think that's pretty substantial um, com compared to pure consumer adoption first, which will, will, will happen. It, it just takes some time because the technology is more in an in a adolescent space. It's, the, the costs are going down in terms of transaction, per, but it's, it, it's, it still needs some scaling before it can get to the individual level. 
uh, especially where where there, there's a lot of people that are un, un, underbanked or unbanked. That that's it's going to take some time to get there. Yeah. So that was, yeah, so that was the was great, great, great lead in for my next question. Do you think banks are going to start feeling somewhat threatened by crypto? Do you think governments are going to be more inclined to put out their own currencies like, you know, Venezuela? Um, what, where do you think it's going to lead on a more global scale? Yeah. I mean, uh, for banks specifically, I think they're kind of more in a five stage, uh, of grief right now because uh, they they first started with a lot of denial they're like no nah, that this this is this this is not gonna work and then once they realized they, that that wasn't true and they got angry about it and they're like oh bitcoin's a fraud uh bitcoin doesn't uh is a bubble you know stuff like that um a lot of inflammatory comments uh, and now they're kind of more in a bargaining phase uh where oh uh bitcoin's not very interesting, but uh, blockchain technology is. Um, so um, that I think that we're kind of in the bargaining phase right now. Uh, but with a blockchain technology, you, it what matters is really adoption and it, just delineating and fr that from cryptocurrency is going to be a lot harder. Uh, in terms of uh, Venezuela, they recently got this petro cryptocurrency. And that was really highly anticipated already. Uh, I've actually posted in Quora uh, way back that it would be a lot of the oil trading companies, uh, countries would start using Bitcoin or its or cryptocurrencies. Uh, the problem with Petro is that it's a lot of people don't really trust it that well. So and Bitcoin is a lot better at reducing the cost of trust. Um, so it's, it, I think it's more of a gateway thing where uh, people would use petrol if they believe it, and if they don't, Bitcoin is a better intermediary. Um, you've you've also seen like uh, Russia is starting to do a, a bit of a U-turn, uh, maybe several months ago. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In terms of uh, their attitude towards Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, they're they're a lot more friendlier than before. Um, Venezuela also did a U-turn on Bitcoin, so I mean, it's I think it's only a matter of time in terms of which some of the countries which will uh, be a lot more friendlier to Bitcoin, uh, and just in general, in for the G20 countries, they they're not necessarily against Bitcoin. They're more concerned about certain aspects of it, and they they want to preserve uh, the innovation side of things but they also want to regulate certain aspects um, so it's more of a balance in, in, ter in, ter in terms of uh, innovation and regulation yeah from what i've when seen I've it's seen a lot of worry about anti-money laundering uh using it to fund things like terrorism or uh you know people see it as a, a means to an end for those things uh, i know we were approached by someone from the swiss government uh when we were at south by southwest so i know there are certain countries especially some that seem to have strong banking ties or they're trying to avoid sanctions who are moving towards crypto uh do you think the u.s might be put at a sort of disadvantage if we don't start to make it easier for people to use crypto in the u.s do you think some of these other countries will get ahead of us i know using blockchain in elections is already starting to happen oh yeah so it, this this is a another prediction question um 
uh, I'd say it's uh, it really depends. Uh, I think most of the uh, of the regulators are pretty well informed, relatively speaking, on uh, what the technology can do. And I mean, it's pretty it's pretty clear that they they're not banning it. You know, um, I, I think pretty it, it's very unlikely. If they do ban it, they they actually be put put in a huge dis disadvantage in terms of how the the overall global regulatory framework would, would work out, um, and there's always going to be more friendly countries and um, that want to uh, take on this uh, the extra business, um, and that that's it. It it really depends because there's so many aspects to this. Um, there's also a lot of different players out there. Some of, a lot of them are based in the U.S., but there's also a lot more in uh, Europe and China and um, and pretty much everywhere. Uh, so it, it's really hard to say. Oh, this is definitely going to happen. Um, I'd say we it, it's it's definitely overall positive, and it more competition doesn't necessarily hurt. Um, it really depends what type of competition it is. Yeah. I know you have a lot of contacts in Asia and you, you know, keep an eye on some of those message boards. So I was wondering how you felt uh, governments like in China, for example, uh, might feel about Bitcoin or if you feel like their public view is different than a private view. Uh, you know, a lot of miners are moving to Canada now. Um, do you have do you have any thoughts on what's happening there? Uh, yeah. So uh, my uncle is. Um he he's a, a legislator in Hong Kong. Um, he he knows quite a bit about the fintech side because he drafts the laws for it, and um, and he's also in contact with some people in Beijing. So he does know a few things here and there. Uh, right now, Bitcoin is not banned in China, but it's really they make it really hard for it, it to be traded or used, uh, and they they're trying to gradually phase it out right now. At, at least, it, it's it seems like that 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 way um, in terms of the regular regulatory side, but they don't want to necessarily do an outright ban right away. They want they they're they're pretty they're pretty accommodative in terms of their own people uh, for their businesses, and even the exchanges were slowly phased out. They weren't like they weren't like oh we're gonna we're not gonna we're not going to tell you first before we ban it uh, kind of yeah. thing. Um, so there's there's a lot of exchanges that moved out of China and they already had plans uh, regarding that. Um, and a lot of them are moving to Canada, like you said. Uh, there, so there's going to be a lot more uh, opportunities there. Um, also in the U.S., there's uh, Washington State, which is which is uh, both of which are using hydroelectric. Um, the costs are a lot lower, so... Um, in terms of electricity, so it's a pretty favorable place right now. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's pretty much uh, it overall. Yeah. Uh, was there anything specific you wanted to ask or? Uh, no, I think it's just it's it's interesting to hear because I think a lot of people don't know much about what's happening in China, and you know we don't get a lot of information over here. So it's interesting to hear someone someone's perspective about that.
Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's also interesting, you know, there's so much money pouring into the industry that it's spurring a lot of economic growth, you know, wherever these companies are moving. I know a lot of ICOs are in Gibraltar and Gibraltar, you know, <laughs> there's not much there. I've been there. It's a rock in the Mediterranean, essentially. Um, so maybe you could touch on sort of the ICO process and launching an ICO maybe in the U.S. versus somewhere else. Uh, this so for the ICOs in the U.S. right now, it's a little bit harder for me to give you any uh, legal advice in terms of starting one because uh, a a lot of them are not more more seemingly considered securities. Uh, so in terms of that, your your best bet would probably be registering as a security um, with the SEC, and this makes a lot of uh, more uh, difficulties because you, you have to comply with a lot of laws and stuff. Um, it's definitely possible to, to not register uh, if you have really good uh, legal resources to to advise you on that, and that's also hard too. I, I know I know some people that do that, um, but I, I just can't give um, specific legal advice because I'm not a lawyer. Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> in, in terms of um, outside the U.S., there's a lot of places that are. Uh, pretty much a free-for-all. You don't really have to worry about uh, regulation that much uh, unless you are you have U.S. accredited investors involved. Um, that does complicate a few things. But there's a lot of ways around that. Uh, it really depends on how you do it. Um, and, and again, that goes really goes back to your legal advice. And yeah, yeah you'd have to find a lawyer for that if you're dealing with U.S. investors. Um, if you're not dealing with U.S. investors, uh, there's so many places... Um, they, they, it's really hard to list all of them um, and it, I think that's what makes it uh, very uh, diverse in terms of what can be done because there's there's a lot more freedom it, it, it with different decisions involved uh, and where your location is. Um, in terms of the general process of doing an ICO, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, there's it, it, if you if you have someone to look over the code, you could probably do it in less than a day. Uh, but actually, marketing it is the is the bottleneck because you you do want to make sure you 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 have people that can see your ICO and they also understand the vision. They they believe in the vision, and that that, that does take some time. Um, just because there's not as many marketing. Uh, outlets as before. Uh, Google and Facebook have uh, both banned uh, cryptocurrency ads. There's ways around it, but I mean, it, it kind of defeats the purpose um, unless you're unless you have uh, something that's really specific in mind. Uh, in terms of general marketing strategy, I'm I'm thinking the best way is really getting the PR right now, or if you already have. Uh, a network of people to market to that, that that's also another way uh, or if you if you know some people that are very interested in terms of um, like if you have really big name VCs that definitely helps um, the chain is one um, they had uh, uh, let me think who is who is that guy's name um, Anyways, uh, yeah, I'll probably remember it later. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah. If you have a big name VC, uh, or you have uh, 
if you have like any sort of PR, it, it definitely helps. Oh, I remember the name. It was uh, Jim Breyer. But anyways, okay. yeah. Um, so yeah, that that the marketing strategy really is important. Making sure you comply with all the legal stuff is pretty important, especially if you have U.S. investors. Uh, and also making sure you have the security down is important too, because if you have any sort of uh, frozen funds or anything, people are going to be really, really unhappy. Um, and it, or if you have any hacks, uh, yeah. and there's also in terms of the community, that's pretty important because you do want to have a lot of engagement in terms of um, how popular that this the the coin is and what type of uh, functions it might have. If you have, especially if you already have a prototype, that would be ideal. Um, although it, it really it, that's not always the case. Uh, but yeah, that's that's generally generally how I would say um, ICOs are structured. There, there, there's a lot of ways to do it, and there's so many different types of coins that I'm not going to list all of them. But yeah. There's, yeah, there, there's so many ways to do it, definitely. So when you get contacted for consulting projects, what are the questions they typically ask or the things they want to know? Uh, this really depends on the client. I, I, I'm more of a really client-focused consultant. Because that I I think it that's really really where you add the value um, in terms of consulting because it, it's it's not necessarily easy to visualize it in terms of the advantages until you you understand it from the client's view and I, I've gotten so many different clients some are for mining uh, some were uh, for the, for uh, like the hedge funds some of them were like the for for example the blockchain ETF, um, and there's also a lot of other people that want that wanted to start exchanges, or they were doing something totally different uh, in terms of um, cryptocurrencies go. So that that there's really it's really hard to say <laughs> yeah. exactly like um, a really standardized process. But I'd say it start always starts with what the client is looking for. Um, and go from there. Uh, it, I, I I think it's in general, I'll, most of them aren't really familiar with the market, and they don't know enough about the um, market data to make a good decision. And that's where I add most of the value in in terms of uh, the market or understanding the tech. Okay, um, so we can shift a little bit maybe more into to trading and exchanges. So I know you've been trading for at least you know five years. Um, what are some general strategies you employ or uh, you know at the beginning of the day or the beginning of the week, you know, what are you typically looking at to make those decisions? Well, uh, I haven't traded for quite a while just because there, there's been a quite a bit of shift in the market. Uh, most of my uh, portfolio is Bitcoin right now, uh, besides a very small amount um, that I use for other purposes. And I've also done a lot of arbitrage throughout this, these five years. So that, that's a whole, wholly different type of um, strategy. And it's, it, it keeps changing. So it's not really easy to uh, generalize it. 
because beliefs also change, and you have to adjust according to the markets.、Um, early on, it it was mostly figuring out how,、uh, what portion to put into mining from Bitcoin,、um, as there were more altcoins out. There were a lot of different decisions you had to make. Uh, but most of them were based on what was what people were using, and what type of how many transactions were there,、uh, how the community was because I mean the community obviously is important in terms of adoption, and there's there there was a lot of hype as as well. But I mean you you have to really see through the hype if you wanna if you wanna have like really good returns、uh, consistently. Um, and it's really hard to to do that with、uh, a lot of the speculation going on.、Um, so that that I, I explain a lot of the my trading strategies and every single trade I make on my Quora blog, so that anyone can read any specifics and and the details regarding each trade.、Uh, right now, it's it's just so hard to do much in terms of other altcoins besides Bitcoin right now because. There, there's a lot of、um, regulatory uncertainties involved, and there's、uh, it's a lot of it is converging、uh, towards certain coins, and it's really hard to do any trading decisions without really understanding the market and doing a lot of research on the market. So,、um, in terms of specific altcoins, I'm not going to really touch on that.、Mm -hmm. um, in terms of arbitrage. This really depends on who you know,、uh, what, how your network is set up, and、um, how your banking is set up too. Because if you, if you don't have access to banking, then you're not going to be able to do a lot of、uh, the easy arbitrage opportunities. The harder ones are going to involve a lot of more、uh, statistical models, and often that's going to depend on how much、uh, programming experience you have or、uh, Any modeling experience you have, and that 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 ends up being really individual, in terms of whether you can execute that or not.、Um, so, I'd say the easiest way would be if you know anyone in South Korea or Japan, that might be one way to do it.、Uh, but you'd really have to trust that person, in terms of uh, the least uh, the least amount of、uh, resistance. In, for trading strategies, go 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 in forth.、Uh, but yeah, there, there's so many ways to do it, and I, I wouldn't say I know every single way. But there,、yeah. I think my, mines are mines have been working so far. So yeah,、uh, yeah. <laughs> so as far as you know, if you're investing in a stock, you want to dive into the financials and the product, essentially the underlying technology.、Um, what coins do you think? Have the better technology or the technology with the most utility?、Um, is there is there are there any differentiating factors that you think will make certain coins strong going forward or have made them strong to this point?、Uh, this also ends up being a really hard to answer prediction question,、um, just because it involves a lot of、uh, global macros、uh, and a lot of、uh, law. Cybersecurity,、uh, understanding the technology,、uh, and adoption is important. I'd say it's it, it, there's so many things that can happen、uh, that 
it, it's really hard to even compare it to stocks because for stocks it's pretty it's it, it, it there's not necessarily a full disclosure in every single thing but there's uh, there's a required exposure uh, disclosure by law and you have something to go by in terms of uh, traditional cash flow models but for cryptocurrencies it's a little bit different because you're you're not exactly dealing with um, a company per se in terms of um, owning equity it, it it really depends on the token if it's an asset-based token then you're basing it on what the underlying asset is and the counterparty risk if you're talking about specific uh, utility tokens they're gonna be it depends on how much that token uh, would be worth when they complete the plat platform and the risks involved with actually executing and getting there so that that's a lot of um, there, there's a lot of unknowns usually um, and it, it really depends on what type of tokens there you're talking about but that, that's where I'd start with so have you noticed uh, a lot of more institutional money coming into the market a lot of uh, bigger portfolios people always talk about the whales who kind of move the market do you think there are you know more whales out there or less whales because more individuals are getting into the market uh, I mean uh, in terms of whales it's really hard to say because uh, a lot of times these whales aren't always visible there are some the ones that are visible uh, there it's there's a lot of uh, billionaires that are already in Bitcoin and most of them are consolidating in Bitcoin uh, I think I've mentioned Jim Breyer uh, is in V chain uh, so there's some VCs that are looking into specific coins Mark Cuban also looks into some specific coins uh, but pretty much across the board I'd say Bitcoin is uh, like the like really uh, concentrated in terms of um, uh, institutional investors and um, also uh, billionaires it, it, it's not as uh, there's right now there's around uh, what uh, I think it was over 200 hedge funds right now that are in uh, cryptocurrencies uh, and there's uh, quite a few that are in blockchain technology type of companies as well a lot of uh, companies even public ones have shifted towards a mining type of uh, strategy so that there's that there's that too it, it really depends on what your uh, on what type of institutional investors you're talking about but I think um, generally speaking that the the big investors are um, are there it's not is not as widespread as um, as some people are hoping but it, it's uh, definitely catching on uh, and it's really hard to say uh, how far it will catch on or how or how soon it will catch on um, so that, that but it's it, it's there there's some there already you know so for the for the ones that are investing more specifically in blockchain do you think there are certain industries in your opinion where you know it's going to be most applicable or places where you think it would be best utilized yeah so that 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 really uh that's that depends on so many things do you have yeah. any more specific yeah so yeah, i mean you're you're in med school right now so what about you know the healthcare sector 
Are there, is there anything you can think about that might be improved with blockchain? Uh, yeah, so the, the most direct way would probably be, be uh, the pharmaceutical supply chain. The, there's a lot of uh, fake drugs out there, a lot of fake uh, prescriptions, uh, that, that sort of stuff. Um, so the blockchain would definitely help in that uh, regards. There's also a lot of problems in terms of uh, population health. So if you want to, if you want to get certain data in terms of uh, patients, it's there's a lot of compliance issues in terms of security. In, in fact, uh, healthcare data is sometimes sold even more than credit card data uh, in, in the in the in the deep web. So wow. it. The, the security aspect is pretty important, and I can see some applications there uh, where it it's too expensive to do anything besides the blockchain. Um, but it, it really depends on the specific use case and also adoption because you're not going to get anywhere without any of these uh, companies using any of the products that you make. Yeah, and yeah, as far as, as, far as uh, counterfeit, counterfeit drugs, drugs, you know, just counterfeiting in general, I think is a really big space. A lot of goods flooding in from China uh, that make it fairly easy. So putting things like Absolutely. that on a blockchain could save some of these countries. I think it's a several trillion dollar a year industry uh, that they're cutting out of uh, a lot of luxury designers and manufacturers. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, so, more generally, what other sorts of investments do you tend to lean towards other than crypto, and where do you see there being some opportunity? I mean, uh, this this is a pretty broad question, but uh, I would just say it in general terms. Uh, right now, I, I also invest in low-end real estate, and that and it's pretty leveraged, so it 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 beats a lot of um, the problems with associated with inflation. Uh, that's that's one way to go. Uh, and the the nice thing is uh, my tenants are managing the property themselves through a rent to own option. So that it it also aligns a lot of the incentives involved, where I don't have to spend as much time managing it. But it really depends on who you trust. So. That this is not a strategy that works for every single person out there, um, and there's some other stuff I, I also invest in uh, equity. If if there's if you're not gonna be diluted too much, um, because if you if you can't if you end up being diluted a lot, you're you're not gonna make that much, and the risks are pretty high. Um, there's also a certain really small micro businesses like apps or websites that have uh, recurring revenue uh, if i if i can find any that are uh, fairly passive and they don't they're not selling at a crazy high price and will probably continue to make that the sort of uh, revenue that they're making right now then uh, I, I usually go for those um, and there's also some individual stocks I do look at um, in, that are mostly biotech, small small cap. They've already know a lot of the clinical trial regulations involved, 
especially like CART therapies. Uh, there, there are some new cancer drugs that are uh, based on the immune system. I'm not going to bore you with too much of details, but no, I, uh, I enjoy yeah. this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, that, that's the general idea. Is uh, if you see any outsized opportunities where the probability, even if the probability is small, but it the the chance of it going to a really high return rate, uh, that's usually where I start looking at. Uh, but you also have to look at the downside risks involved because, I mean, if you lose your investment, then, then that's also pretty risky. Uh, so it, some, some things are where you, the downside risk is really low, but the upside risk is really high, but the chance is really low. Uh, that's a lot of stuff I look at as well. Um, and there's also a lot of things in terms of uh, a lot of uh, I hold a lot of cash because there's a lot of um, opportunities out there that where if you don't have enough cash you're not going to be able to take care advantage of, and that's that's uh, that's really important for uh, certain industries. Uh, it really depends on the specific the specific investor and what their goals are. Uh, so that's really more of a personal question um, that doesn't have a really easy answer. But uh, I think that that's in general that's how I invest right now. So what what would you say your the invest the uh, best investment you've ever made is in your opinion? Uh, the best investment uh, that's really hard to measure because um, <laughs> I know you have a lot of them. I have a lot of them. Uh, yes, <laughs> uh, a lot of them. Uh, the there's this that really depends on your how you measure risk, how you benchmark it. Uh, I'd say Bitcoin was probably my uh, best investment so far uh, in terms of sharp ratio. Uh, so that's probably uh, one way to measure it. Uh, but I think, frank frankly, pretty much all my investments so far have been. Uh, pretty good investments. Uh, the ones that didn't work out uh, were uh, didn't really give me that much downside. So I wouldn't really say it's uh, it was it, it's kind of part of the process. You know, you, you really yeah. sometimes things don't work out exactly how you think they are. But um, you always put your uh, best guess and size your bets accordingly because um, there, there there's some mathematical formula you can use based on Kelly criterion to figure out how much you should size your investments uh, and you just have to bet accordingly if you're if you're basing it on that or if you if you really have uh, no idea probably the easiest way to save your time is just to do low cost index funds but uh, that that really depends on what your goals are because if you're aiming for like four to seven percent per uh, year that might not be some people's goals uh, for some people that that's perfectly fine especially if they want to retire uh, and they're already in their 40s or 50s yeah <laughs> you gotta <laughs> definitely tailor the investment to the person um, it's important I think to have sort of a high threshold for risk right now in crypto still um, and a lot of these exchanges, something we've talked about before, you know, they're making a lot of money uh, 
on margin calls and things like that. Are there any tips you could give to people as far as, you know, best practices for using these exchanges, maybe uh, any strategies for lending? I think lending may not be something a lot of people understand. Uh, and then, you know, margin trading and how that works from a back end, you know, having built an exchange yourself, you probably know a little bit more about how that works. Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Um, there's a lot of uh, margin lending out there. Uh, and th that's one way to, to make some income, but it, 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 the rewards have gone down a little bit. It really depends where you are. And you also have to evaluate exchanges in terms of their counterparty risk. So right now, Bitfinex is uh, one of those exchanges that offers a really high interest but they don't necessarily have the best reputation uh, and there is some significant counterparty risks involved so it might not be the best even though the returns are pretty good and um, in terms of uh, the uh, just general security wise you probably want to uh, have uh, either a hardware wallet or have your own software to hold the wallet with uh, best security practices and uh, just move anything that you want to trade right away into exchanges or you could wait for uh, the centralized exchanges um, to take off uh, but that's you have to be really careful uh, people have lost money before just on really silly mistakes uh, just because they, they didn't really evaluate counterparty risk that much in terms of the back end and how, how the exchanges work that's, um, that, that really depends on what you're asking for uh, there's a lot more to scale in the back end and it's, um, it really depends on um, which aspects you're looking at. Um, in terms of general traders, they don't really need to know too much about the back end um, unless they want to understand more in terms of how the markets may move specifically when exchanges have specific news coming out uh, that that might be one aspect but uh, it takes a it's, it's a really big learning curve so I, I'm not sure um, it's worth it for yeah. every single yeah. person out there yeah sure so there's been a lot of buzz, lot of buzz about, about decentralized exchanges uh, I think Binance just put out a competition with a million dollar reward um, what what do you think you would tell people about the major differences between centralized and decentralized exchanges? Uh, I think for decentralized exchanges, they do have some benefits in terms of they won't be shut down, for one, um, easily. Um, and there's a lot more uh, security measures involved that you can do. Uh, so you don't have to worry about counterparty risks as much. Uh, you you can there there's also some downsides to it because you there's some there can be spoofed orders which there are in centralized exchanges but there it can actually affect your trades a lot more uh, and there's also uh, possible liquidity problems that you might you might have in the early days uh, once the decentralized exchanges come out um, widespread and also uh, with lots of options, right now the the options aren't very many, um, but the that the trade-offs are there. Uh, centralized exchanges generally have um, 
they have a lot more standards in terms of what they list and what they don't for at least for the bigger exchanges the smaller ones don't have as much so if you're kind of just looking for a curated list it might be great for you to look into what centralized exchanges lists and maybe it might be uh, worth it for some aspects in terms of liquidity but uh, th this really depends on what you're trading what your strategy is uh, ultimately the decentralized exchanges are better in terms of security uh, but there's there are some trade-offs right now uh, and there's not is not a is not a clear-cut winner right now but uh, decentralized exchanges once they scale it will be a it's very likely to be the clear-cut winner in the future so do you think companies like uh, Goldman or other ones who are trying to buy off some of the established exchanges do you think they're gonna get threatened by decentralized exchanges when that happens uh, the well there's there's several aspects to this for one I think the competition is always gonna be there whether whether you decentralize it or not so it's not necessarily a thing uh, something that's uh, decentralized versus centralized it, there's there's a huge uh, market for exchanges in the first place mm -hmm. uh, second thing is they can't they're not necessarily mutually exclusive they cannot coexist it's not there, there's some benefits for centralized exchanges versus decentralized exchanges as I mentioned before um, so there there's a reason why Binance is doing both right now uh -huh. um, just because there's a lot of advantages to each side uh, so that's that it's not it's not like uh, it, it's more likely to be both both of them for both of them to exist and there's uh, just more freedom of choice uh, more freedom of investments in terms of decentralized exchanges uh, and with those type of freedoms you also have to have some trade-offs Okay, uh, so sort of the last topic I wanted to touch upon, um, talking about mining, do you think there's going to be a future of more mineable coins and limited supply, um, or do you think we're moving more towards a proof-of-stake model uh, and some of the major players are going to start moving over? Because, I mean, in my opinion, it seems like mining has worked fairly well up to this point. The incentives seem to be aligned. Um, but, I mean, you know more about the, the technology itself and the economics, so I was just curious what you think about the future of mining. Well, uh, there's some advantages to using proof-of-stake compared to just um, using mining. Uh, so th there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, different ways you can do it. Uh, proof-of-work is the most common uh, for mining, and there the the difference is how the incentives are so in, in terms of proof of work where the, we have miners involved you have the transaction fees given to the miners and uh, that that can be that can be expensive for some things but it can it can also uh, proof of stake also has some other uh, benefits in terms of uh, 
how on in terms of costs, but there that really depends on how you scale. Uh, for example, for Bitcoin, they're still using proof of work, but they have some second layer scaling in terms of SegWit, and also uh, there's also more recently the uh, Lightning Network. So that 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 definitely reduces the costs significantly, uh, and uh, that that's that's where it, it it's really hard to say. Oh, this is definitely much better. Uh, there, it it really depends on what type of incentives you're offering, what type of coin it is. But could you I mean, uh, it, maybe uh, briefly explain why SegWit and Lightning would reduce costs? Uh, yeah. So uh, the way uh, Lightning Network works is you have all these channels out on, on top of the regular blockchain that, that they're considered off-chain uh, solutions. So if you have these ch uh, channels involved, you can you can bunch them up together as one transaction. That that makes it much uh, more cost effective because you now have uh, you now it now costs like a fraction of what a transaction costs. So that that's one way to scale um, for Bitcoin. Uh, uh, that that's that's uh, the most that's the most um, important type of uh, development so far in terms of Bitcoin. Uh, was there anything specific you wanted to ask? No, I think I think that clears it up for people. I think a lot of these splits, you know, people hear about them and don't really understand what what they actually mean, what they do, why they're being done. Um, mm -hmm. So it's good to give people a little background. Um, but with that, uh, that was you know that was all the questions I had for you. I don't know if there's anything else you feel like you wanted to add. I'm gonna put the link to Crypto Signal in the description. Um, and with that, if there's anything else, uh, no, that's all. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being here. I know you're crazy busy. You got boards coming up, so I really appreciate it. Uh, and have a good night. And thank you all for listening. Yeah. Thank you guys.